If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And a very warm welcome to you. Yes, um, nothing can keep us down. We got the mad M&M in the house, literally in the house, um, although when we're not inside the house, stuck inside in our forced isolation, we're out in the garden. Michael Rickoff, have you been spending a lot of time outdoors or are you spending a lot of time indoors staring at your computer trying to teach people? Yeah, it's... it's uh... It's been a weird old time, hasn't it? You know, I, I think we all prepared ourselves for three weeks and everybody had this all figured out. And then the next two weeks came along and uh, and, and then here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so it, it's quite amazing how agile we are when we want to be because, I, you know, I think after after the first three weeks and we told it was a two-week extension, we all sort of were despairing and said, oh, no, you know, we, we, we're not ready for this. But we actually were. Um, and, and I think one, one thing I've learned about uh, about what's happening is when the college had to close, and that was a week before the initial formal lockdown, we all thought, well, you know, we're just going to have to sit and wait until we can go back to school. Um, and it hasn't turned out that way. I, you know, we've, we've had to make plans. We've had to introduce, and we've had to find out what's out there. And, and, and it's amazing because we've made a lot of huge decisions in terms of how we teach. We've been able to do a lot of teaching online. Mm. We're learning as we go. None of us were geared for this. I mean, our, our whole curriculum was not geared for online teaching but as i say we've become agile in this and we've managed to make a plan and we're obviously making plans and we're all suddenly becoming tv presenters not very good ones i must tell you but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, you see, it doesn't actually take that much skill to be able to do it but you do need to know a few of the things which has been quite useful i mean if you think about it as you're saying all the schools thought okay so we're going to be locked down for three weeks it's the end of the school holiday so we're going to be a little bit back so we're just going to keep the kids busy or keep whoever you're teaching busy until we can get back into the classroom and then we'll pick it up where we were, yeah. which didn't happen. And we don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, I'm sure that college is still under the same restrictions as, say, schools would be um, in that, you know, it's going to be quite a mission, but, um, maybe a bit easier when you have adults that you can deal with instead of like a bunch of kids. Don't, don't just imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw a very interesting, I saw a very interesting thing online. I think it was somewhere in France where... They've got the kids back at junior school, and they've got each child has a square, a, a three meter, a two meter square, um, square, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And each child has to go and sit inside their square so that they're properly socially distancing from all the other kids. But they're doing it outdoors, which I mean, obviously they're going into summer overseas in Europe, and and maybe it's not a bad thing because we should be getting outdoors a lot more. But wouldn't this be just the absolutely ideal time to get? all of the kids at school to get outdoors. Say to them, right, you're going to go outdoors today. And even if you've got other kids, you can maybe even get like a group of 10 together. And you say, this is your two meter square. You're not allowed outside of the square. And teach them how to grow things in that square at the same time. Just a thought. You know, that my mind goes off that direction. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, it's, I think it's an awesome idea. And, and of all things, we're teaching horticulture and landscaping. So, I mean, where would you rather be? And and this is, I think, this is the, one of the things that's challenging us at the moment is we think outside as landscapers and horticulturists, but we're trying to teach inside. Mm. It's extremely challenging because 
you, you kind of need to be pointing at stuff all the time. And, you know, I personally teach the drawing and the, you know, the technical plan side of it and whatnot. And it's extremely difficult for me to want to point at things and demonstrate things all the time in an environment where it's become difficult. Mm. You always want to show somebody the soil as opposed to explaining it to them. You know, it, it is something where there is a realization with things like horticulture and design. You do need some personal interface. But, you know, the, the other thing is that there is a way around it. We can keep the ball rolling. We can keep the wheels turning. The day will come when we can meet each other again. Because as you, as you rightly say, Mel, we, we're not allowed to be back. Mm. And we were having an online faculty meeting, and uh, you know the ge- the general feeling around the room is 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 that you know at some stage we've got to get we've got to get back face to face with people, but but there is no guarantee that we can. So what happens if we can't? And these are the questions we have to ask ourselves. What do we do when we lose our practical, say for instance, places like balls or places like Sakata, uh, show gardens? What happens if we lose those practical uh, opportunities for students? Or, you know, how, how do you replace that? How, how do you replace practical pruning, for instance? They're very, mm. very challenging questions. Well, I mean, I'm sitting here and thinking what we should be doing is like speaking to a lot of the people. I mean, you're talking about pruning. Obviously, it's not the time of the year to be pruning at the moment. We only start doing that at the end of July, early August. But I mean, I really want to get hold of the Tashners and say, right, set up a camera if, if by that stage we're still in lockdown and we can't actually get people together. I mean, that means all the garden club meetings have stopped everywhere around the country and probably around the world, which means we're taking it online, which is why doing this, what we're doing, keeping it on radio, keeping the voices going, at least we can still teach people, but taking it onto your computers and having the visuals as well, at least we have that option. Can you imagine if we were still pre-technology age, and we wouldn't have all of this at our fingertips. So sure, COVID, horrible thing, but at least we have made, managed to make options that we can still stay in contact. But I really do think, if we imagine if you can give a practical demo and you put it up somewhere, not particularly, it doesn't have to be live, but at least you can teach more people online from anywhere in the country. <laughs> we are having to think in completely different ways. Yeah, and, and I think this is the point. Uh, you know yourself about, about landscaping, about designing, about horticulture. There's no mm. replacement for doing it yourself. There's no replacement for, um, you know, I can show you how to prune, but until you've pruned that plant yourself, until you've actually picked up those secateurs and made that cut in the internet, you know, mm. it's, it's really not getting in there, you know, and, and this is the point. And, and when you say online, it would be great to be able to set up an online thing and say, well, you know, have you all got a rose at home? <laughs> yeah. You know, this is, none of it is not feasible. I mean, it's, it's all doable. It's like I say, none of us were geared for this. It, it sort of came upon us. It's, it also gets to the point where I was speaking to um, a friend of ours, Richard, the other day, our principal, and, and mm-hmm. he was saying, you know, yes, none of us were geared for this, but it's made us make the decisions that we otherwise would have waited for the perfect moment for. And, and I think that was quite a profound thing to say because that's what we do. We procrastinate and we wait till the perfect moment to make something happen. And now kind of where we are has made us say, well, we don't have the perfect moment. We have to make it happen. Yeah. Nice big kick in the pants into the garden. (laughs) And this is the one thing that I've noticed. I mean, the proliferation of gardening sites, um, even in social media, on Instagram, you know, I mean, if you go and look at the hashtags, which are really trending on Instagram, for instance, it's like to do with uh, plant parenting, with indoor gardening, because we sit there and we're lucky. We have the space to be able to go out and actually spend time in a garden and do some gardening, okay, and enjoy the sunshine. I was just sitting there and thinking in the, in the first three weeks of the hard lockdown, all those people that were confined to barracks, if we say it like that, where they didn't have a garden to get out into, even if there were seven people living in a one-bedroom house, 
they didn't have that space. But now with people like, I mean, one of my favorites, my, my rock star from this lockdown is um, Tim Abar from Orange Farm down south of Johannesburg, who has started his Ubuntu project. He started off years, a, a few years back, suddenly realized I'm, I'm tired of being poor. And then he realized as well, not just being poor in pecuniary sense, but also in spirit. He started growing stuff and getting the kids to bring him bottles. And he started growing trees in, in kind of plastic bottles. And then, of course, the nurseries wouldn't buy them because they were in plastic bottles. So he started giving them out to his neighbors, but he was growing fruit trees. So in his area, everybody has fruit trees. And then people started growing. And now he goes and he buys that produce from them. And he's selling them in boxes and he delivers to places all over Johannesburg. What he does at the same time is every time you order, an Ubuntu box. He then takes some of that money and he puts together a kit which he goes and donates and teaches people who have got very little but have a little uh, patch of land on how to grow it so that they can become food sufficient themselves. And I, I mean, if anybody hasn't checked out Tim Abar and what he's doing, it really is one of the kind of wonderful things that is coming out of it. And seeing people helping each other, how do you grow this? And showing pictures of different plants and where can I get that? And where does it come from? And how does it grow? People have suddenly, you know, in and amongst all of this gloom and doom and darkness, and especially sliding into winter, as we have done, suddenly realized, actually, I can be of use. I can teach people what I know. And of course, we can do that quite easily, because that's what we do a lot of the time, Mike. Yeah, we do. And, you know, it's, it often surprises me, Melanie, we, we're all standing pontificating about how things will change and how we need to look at the world differently and whatnot once this is all over. And yet I, I saw I saw somebody post something the other day which you and I have spoken about often and which I was close to. I, I spent quite a lot of time in Kimberley a few years ago. And in Kimberley, you've still got olive trees and uh, lemon trees on the pavements from the siege of Kimberley um, at the turn of the last century. <laughs> and somebody said, well, wouldn't it be great if we could grow fruit trees on all the pavements? And the first thing that this whole barrage of people said is, and I think it was on Facebook or something, a whole barrage of people saying, why well, work in South Africa? They'll just steal all the fruit. Or. Well, that's the point. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, well, why is your immediate reaction it won't work as opposed to trying to find reasons why it can? Um, and and I, I just think the whole Ubuntu story, for instance, is such an amazing story because, well, you know, maybe it will fail, but did you try? And and that's the kind mm. of thing that I think you and I have been evangelizing all this time. You don't try, but you will sit there and fold your arms and say, well, it won't work. You know, unfortunately, there's a little bit of negativity out there. I think that it, it really is for people like yourself and for people like me and people like all the people we know in our circle who will go out there and energetically try and make something work. And yes, uh, you know, Melanie, part of what we do is about failing sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't mean we don't have to give it a go. I, I just hate being a tired like that, that, that everything that we do in South Africa regarding that is bound to be a failure. And I think we really need to get out of this mindset. It's, it's frustrating. Yeah. One thing I'm very glad about is the fact that we've been allowed now to go out and walk about. Um, because the one thing I've noticed is I found out where all the avo trees are, where they have branches <laughs> hanging <laughs> over the pavements. Unfortunately, the fruit is generally too high. So I'm trying to work out some kind of a stopgap measure where I've got a stick with a pair of scissors on the end and I can cut the, <laughs> the fruit off. Or maybe I should just go and bang on their door and say, can I steal some? Of can, come on, cut me down some of your avos. But that that's one of the things that um, right from the beginning of lockdown, when you suddenly realized, oh, all my sundews are now fruiting. I don't really like peppers. What am I going to do with them? We've got a couple of groups going and I said to the people, oh, I've got these. I'm thinking of pickling them. So, of course, you know, at the beginning, everybody was baking and making banana bread and you know, creating all these amazing culinary deliciousnesses in the kitchen, which I think probably now 
people are a little less enthused by. And I decided, all right, well, I've got all of this crop. I'm going to pickle them and I'm going to give them to people because I'm not going to eat them. So everybody's like, yeah, I've got these seeds and I've got those seeds and oh, I've got some of these. I've got um, granadellas. I'll on my way to the shop, I know where you live. I'm going to come and throw a packet of granadellas over your, your wall. So there was all of this food sharing going on that everybody is growing at home. Did you find that in your area as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and, and this is before COVID. I, I have a few lemon trees in my garden, one, two of them particularly, one rough-skinned and, and one eureka. Um, and they both fruit prolifically. <laughs> and I always forever have people knocking on my gate, like, like you said. They, they don't try and reach over the wall, but or maybe they do. I don't know. But they, they, not, they sort of rattle my gate and they say, please, may we have some lemons? And, and we're forever giving out bags of lemons. And mm. well, anyway, I, I just need to tell you that you can give a bag after bag after bag. And then when you look at the tree, there's still plenty of fruit on the tree. I, I just think we forget sometimes. We can never use all those fruit, ever. We'll never use all those lemons no. in our lifetime. So, yes, it certainly does happen, even with something as simple as lemons which I, I don't know, I, I think you can just plant a lemon tree in Joburg and it'll just happen. I mean, we'll just have, have lemons. So I, I know I, it definitely does happen. It happened before, it's happening now again, and, and we don't have a problem with it. And I think that if everybody, you know, could just have, if, if you don't want to plant a tree on the pavement for fear that it'll disappear overnight, then plant one in your garden if you have one. Mm. Nothing wrong with that and nothing wrong with us sharing. And I think that, you know, everybody has this vision that you have to have a whole farm in your garden to be self-sustainable. Well, I think it's a commun community thing. I think. You know, if, if I have a, a sort of a, a, say, for instance, a proliferation of one type of veggie and you have a proliferation of another, another type of veggie, there's nothing wrong with us bartering or swapping. Um, and if everyone does this, then so, so there must have better and so much the variety. Absolutely. Well, one thing, I mean, everybody's got lots of lemons at the moment. Um, so somebody was saying, oh, I don't know what to do with them because, you know, I'm not going out anywhere and I've got so many. What can I do? The one's making lemon curd. The other one, I just said, why don't you make limoncello? Well, we haven't got any vodka. I'm like, well, um, okay. Somebody else said, oh, I've got some vodka. I'll bring it to you and you make limoncello. And then you can give me some of it as well at the end of it. Um, I'm still trying to find a perfect recipe for making vodka though. Um, <laughs> pineapple beer and apple cider. I mean, you know, these are things that um, we can get a hold of well, until they decided to stop selling yeast, of course. <laughs> a burmaka plan here in South Africa. Um, that's what we actually do. But it, it is a wonderful spirit that suddenly come out when people step away from social media and stop fighting with each other because it has become this the haves against the have-nots and we can understand that but then you have other people turning around and saying yeah you talking from this point of privilege etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you come together and somebody may say look i don't have a, a lot of space to be able to grow something if i give you something and you grow it can we have a collective and I think that people have been looking at things like the allotments system that they have in England for the people who don't have property. They have allotments and they can go and work their allotment and then they share out whatever they're growing there. Doing the same thing here, whether it be at a school, or an open space, a recreation center, community center, I think that's something that we need to all be looking at for the future, definitely. Yeah, I think South Africa lends itself to allotments very much. The other thing, is we, as, as we've seen in the Saxon with Linda, there's a lot of rooftop space. And I think a lot of people mm. overseas, it's dawned on them long, long time ago that all this rooftop space can be used. Um, when you talk about the, your average veggie garden, for instance, you don't have, you don't necessarily have to have trees and things with deep roots or heavyweight soil. You can grow them all in lightweight media. So, you know, there's, there's so many things that we can actually do here. We have 
Um, we have an incredible climate. Um, we have so many things that can that, that we can do positively. And I agree with you. I, I sometimes use social media to go and find interest. You know, I'm a model maker as well and an artist, and I go and look at all these. Arts, art groups and whatnot. But every now and then you come across this group and this conversation and you think, what are you people thinking? Yeah. And you're right, Melanie, it's, a, it's a debilitating sometimes when you think, sure, you know, all this energy being just going down the drain. Yeah, step away from the negativity. Step out into the light. Get into your garden yeah. and go and grow something. We're sliding rapidly into winter. And I think winter just suddenly appeared. We were all locked down in our houses and thinking, oh, we can't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, winter arrived was like quite a, a scary thing. I'm usually out of being down in Cape Town and come back and suddenly think, good Lord, um, Cape Town forgot to close the doors when I left. <laughs> and they let all the cold air come up to Johannesburg. But it, it, it suddenly like hit us that it's not as warm outside anymore. And we're now going into a time when we need to be immune boosting. Although if we're self-isolating or not going near people, then the flu bugs shouldn't be going around. But this is a great time to actually Really boost your immune system by getting out into the garden, by growing food that you are growing your own food. So what should people be looking at when it comes to vegetables and things like that at the moment, Mike? At the moment, we all know that when you look at the brassicas now and maybe the broad beans and things like that, you really have to be looking at what are the vegetables that you can grow now. I mean, we have to we have to be conscious of the fact that we can't go out there and grow certain vegetables like things like tomatoes and whatnot. It's just not going to happen right now. The most important thing to do is just educate yourself and you know, there's always this thing about Google, hey, that there's a lot of disinformation out there. Google is your friend. Yeah, you have to be careful of the disinformation side of things. But but I think that, Melanie, as you always say to people, why don't you contact us? You know, we get lonely. We need, you know, people can come and chat to us. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of my trick to encourage conversation and encourage people to talk to us and ask questions. There are a lot of, there are a lot of veggies, for instance, as, as, as we're saying, that, that you can put in the ground in wintertime. You have to make sure, and of course, there's more sunshine now if you have a garden that's deciduous in terms of its trees and whatnot, because you have a lot more light filtering through. But, but you know, I think that if you're sitting there in a situation saying, I can't grow veggies, for instance, because I have a patio, because I have a balcony. I can hear an ice cream truck in the background at your house, Michael. <laughs> ice cream, you're talking about the cold. I don't understand how you can hear the ice cream truck, because I can hear it distantly away, and I just hope he has his permit in place. <laughs> All right, so you're talking about the brassicas. Of course, we talk, those are the cabbages, kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. Your spinaches, bright lights are looking quite good at the moment, the Swiss chard. Um, what are the other brassicas that um, – um, oh, Chinese greens. I mean, those are also packed full of like energy and vitamins. Yeah. yeah. So all of those things, I mean, now that um, garden centers are allowed to sell again, those are the things we should be looking at. But I would suggest to people at this stage to buy seedlings rather than try and grow from seed. Yeah, saying seed at the moment is I don't think an option. That bus is left. But I certainly think that – well, first of all, seedlings, you, you can see what you're buying. In the first place, I think you can get a lot more encouragement by planting a seedling because it's already growing for you. As we were talking the other day uh, about putting things in the ground and they just fail to come up, uh, can also be a, <laughs> can also be a little bit sad. But yeah, I agree with you, Melanie. I think go for seedlings and whatnot. Don't assume, by the way. I think as we always say that you have to have a garden, and mm. not to have a garden, just get a container or some containers. And I think. You know, now we're going to get back onto this whole thing about plant parenting and whatnot. But, you know, when, when I first heard about plant parenting, I thought, yeah, yeah, you know, here we go with another trend because, you know, that's our immediate reaction to everything until we take it seriously, like vertical gardening, for instance. Like vertical gardening. But we were on board with the vertical gardening. We just thought that this plant parenting thing, ugh, please, one of those. And that was our fault, actually, looking at it and poo-pooing the idea. Yeah, and, and very much I thought, yeah, well, you know, uh, how long will this last? But you know what? The more I get into it and the more I see 
posts from millennials. And it's a specifically, almost specifically a millennial thing. I, I, I just get astounded at, at the passion and the absolute, it's, it's almost like an obsession mm. that these guys, I mean, these plants are their children, you know, um, and they really do take it a lot. And I, I loved plants. I lived in a flat in Hillborough for many years when I was young, and that's a long time. That's 100 years ago. And I was passionate mm. about my indoor plants then. But I don't even think I came close to the passion and the obsession that I'm hearing now. So no, because we we all did we did I mean, we lived like even in a house and sometimes on a garden in a flat. I got a, a a ficus in about 1984, I think it is, which travelled with me wherever I moved. I still have it. It has now been adopted by my 17 year old twins. It is still in the same pot, <laughs> okay, and I I didn't manage to plant it properly. We, I think it was just kind of a part of our growing up that we always had plants. Um, it wasn't a strange thing for us. So maybe that's why we were looking at it first and thinking, why are you guys becoming so mad about it? It's just part of our everyday lives. But I suppose maybe it wasn't brought home to that particular generation of people as, as much as it was with us because we didn't have TV and technology and all of that to keep us busy. Yeah, you know, I just can remember, and, and I, I did a blog outline on this the other day in terms of realizing that, that when I was a kid, and my grandparents had plants, and my auntie Hilda from Austria had plants. They were they were decor items. That's what they mm. were, you know. And and then we had our pets, and they had their kids and whatnot. But you know, the, the millennials are are not that eager to have kids right now. Um, they're not. They they love their pets and whatnot, but their plants are are everything. And it's it's just amazing to see this whole huge movement. And some of the pictures that are coming out now, when the, the kids are. They're hanging up these lights. They're doing research on, well, whether, whether it's going to be the blue light, the red light, the white light, and whatnot. And they're hanging up these strings of lights. And the whole corner of their lounge is becoming this conservatory type thing, which I think is very sexy, by the way. I think it looks amazing. Yeah. But it's encouraging, Melanie, because um, as we say, you know, the more we move towards this kind of nouveau sort of technology or this new way of looking at plants, the more plants that we saw as outdoor plants, can conceivably become indoor plants because they're creating an outdoor artificial environment in their homes. Mm. And mm. that's that's something that I'm seeing happening now. It's, it's not just bringing the plants in, it's bringing the outdoor in. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. Well, I mean, especially as most of them living in flats and don't have an outdoors to really go and hang out in. Yeah. And it's it's not just, I mean, we I think we grew up with like the little lithops, like, you know, those elephant feet. And, um, uh, what are the the African violets and peace lilies? Yeah, so those were the and rubber plants, lots of rubber plants. And those were plants that we kind of, you know, they just sat there and got dusty every now and then. But nowadays, I mean, the, the range of plants that have been brought out and the fact that there are indoor varieties of outdoor plants, like your mother-in-law's tongue, the Sansevieria, which mm. is, of course, a fantastic plant for indoors because it doesn't do the swap over at night where it starts absorbing oxygen. It just keeps on putting oxygen out the whole time, a good carbon scrubber. You can even grow our favorite carbon scrubber, the Portulacaria uh, yeah. speckworm. Somebody said to me the other, how do I grow bacon? I said, don't worry, I'll send you a speckworm, <laughs> a bacon tree. <laughs> you can put those on a patio. I mean, it, there's certain like plants that just really lend themselves to it. But even with my 17-year-olds, I mean, they've become absolutely crazy about having plants indoors, obviously in a brighter room, because Plants do need light unless they're mushrooms. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's why I'm saying, you know, it's something that we we would automatically people of our generation. I'm saying, and and I'm not I'm not trying to generalize, but our automatic reaction would be you can't yeah you can't grow that indoors because it needs that much light. And they're saying, so what's your problem? 
So they think differently to us uh, in terms of saying, well, you know, we can solve that. Maybe we have mm. things that you never thought of, or maybe, and maybe we can learn from these uh, these uh, plant parents because I am learning. I mean, you mentioned the Sansevieria, which around the world they call it the snake plant. You know, we call it the mother-in-law's tongue, of course. And and that seems to be coming like the ch- the plant of choice at the moment. Everybody seems to have one. On on Naked Gardening Day, there were so many pictures posted on Facebook of plant parents, young people. Millennials, not always that young sometimes, but mm. p- posing sort of naked in their houses uh, in the corner, all covered up <laughs> by their snake plant. What what kind of sites have you been perusing, Michael? They are plant indoor plant sites, Melanie. And, and the bottom line is there's a whole <laughs> movement towards saying, I'm going to send you a picture of me with my plants and it's going to be a very intimate picture. It's not, it wasn't pornography or anything. It was just, it, it was kind of weird. And there were so many of them. Oh, dear. I think Michael and I will just stick to hugging trees. Okay. <laughs> they can hug your indoor plants as well, I suppose. But, but what, I'm saying is, what I'm saying is I think there's a totally different attitude uh, towards indoor plants these days. And I, 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 I kind of think it's, it, it, be, it behooves us really to actually look at this and say, oh, are we necessarily on board with, with what's actually happening out there? I don't have to listen to influencers and, and trenders to basically see that there's there's been some sort of a weird shift um, in the way plants are looked after, the way plants are seen, certainly by the millennials. And I have no reason to think that the millennials aren't going to have a knock-on effect um, going forward in terms of these plants. I think the number, mm. the type of plants that are going to be sold in garden centers is also going to change. Oh, well, it's change. Is only, the only thing that's constant in life is change. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's a positive thing. I think, uh, you know, when people look at this, it's a massively positive thing. That it, because at one stage, I think we were all fearing, certainly when we were talking as horticulturists, we were all fearing that, oh, people are losing interest in gardening. And I think you said it to me once, Mel, that England was a nation yep. of gardeners, but they no longer sort of had that inclination. They were trying to actually get people to come in and do horticulture. At I mean, the, the, there were so many openings. I was sitting and thinking, I should move to England. I can get a job there like this because people are just not training as gardeners anymore. And it's the one thing I say to people when they say, my child doesn't know what they want to do. I said, well, why don't you just put them through a gardening course? At least then they'll have some skills for the future because food production, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, if you have a child that doesn't know what they want to do with their lives at the moment, Get them growing something because that's going to be the way of the future, making food security for people, being self-sufficient. And you can only do that if you grow your own food. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I certainly think just, just the pure love of plants, uh, just in, increasing numbers of plants in, in any environment yeah. is a positive thing. Yeah. So get them out there being horticulturalists. So, I mean, and we haven't really told people what they should be doing in their gardens, but um, it is a, an interesting thing, you know, gardening in a time of lockdown. Because we've been pretty much, unless we wanted to just sit inside our houses all day, if we, we were lucky to have a garden, we've been pushed out into the garden. It's much warmer out there as well. From that point of view, long may it continue because, I mean, it's, I think it's just going to be good for the environment. It's going to be good for each person. And if we can get everybody growing together and, and spread that spirit of Ubuntu, as people like Tim Abar have been doing. I mean, that's one way of, that our country especially can get back on track again with people helping each other. Yeah. Especially when we're going to have a lot of hungry people out there in the not too distant future. And I think a lot of people have had to get out into their garden and do things that their gardener used to do, and they're getting an appreciation of what the gardener does. So when your gardener returns, you can empathize maybe a little bit more. Yeah, and I hope everybody's still been paying their their domestic staff <laughs> while they haven't been allowed to come in and work. Absolutely. If you have any questions, of course, you're more than welcome to always get hold of Michael myself through Lifestyle College. Um, you can always drop them a mail. They, they forward the mails to us. It's the easiest way. So you can always remember where we come from. 
Um, otherwise, on social media, I mean, just come and have a look. There's a Lifestyle Garden Club. You're more than welcome if you're on Facebook to come and join that. Try and put up as much interesting information and the latest happenings. I'm sure Michael does the same. Mike, I think you must share your blogs on that page as well for us, please. I'll do so. I've sort of just, I, I've been writing blogs, Melanie, because it's been the one thing that's kept my mind going. So ah. long may that last. I see you haven't been joining any of the online Pilates classes. You're very lazy. <laughs> okay, so I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, as I said, any questions, please don't hesitate to get hold of us, okay? And I'll get my head together and get a decent phone and start doing some little inspirational online videos. But of course, um, we, we hopefully will be able to get back and finish off shooting our season of Beyond the Hedge, which was supposed to have started at the end of March, but the lockdown put it uh, a little bit further behind. So hopefully the end of June, we'll be back on air with that. In the meantime, Michael, I want you to start filming yourself in your garden, doing stuff and put it out there. How to plot, pot up a pl- uh, plant up a pot. There we go. I get it the right way around. We're doing lots of filming at the moment now, but it's all about education. So yeah, we'll get there. All right. We just need to educate the masses as well. All right. Well, that's it. We'll catch you again next time. Until then, please just get out of inside and into the garden and get growing. We'll catch you again next time. Bye-bye. Listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.